The following program is being brought to you on the Voice America Business Channel. For more information about our network and to check our additional show hosts and topics of interest, please visit voiceamericabusiness.com. The Voice America Talk Radio Network is the worldwide leader in live Internet talk radio. Visit voiceamerica.com. The views and ideas expressed on the following program are strictly those of the host or guests and do not necessarily reflect the views and ideas held by the Voice America Talk Radio Network, its staff, and management. You are a visionary. You have a vision. You just need to create it and bring it to life. Welcome to Visionary Leader Extraordinary Life with your host, Kate Ebner. Our program will be an hour of inspiration from leaders who are making their visions happen and will set you on the path to having a big impact through your leadership and the life you really want. Now here's your host, Kate Ebner. Good morning, and thank you for joining me for today's episode of Visionary Leader Extraordinary Life. I'm your host, Kate Ebner. If you'd like to follow along with news from this show and catch other updates from the Nebo Company, sign up for our weekly newsletter at nebocompany.com. Our newsletter does include, by the way, a short article about the show that you're listening to, so you can actually um, revisit or even get the link to the, the recording of the show if you're interested. Here we are in December already, and it's officially the holiday season this week, which makes it a perfect time to talk about and celebrate community. My guest today is someone who has spent his whole career working with leaders on how to build strong communities that connect people of different backgrounds and identities. He's an author. He's written, What is a Whole Community? A Letter to Those Who Care For and Restore the Land. And he's also written, The Great Remembering, Further Thoughts on Land, Soul, and Society, among several other books and essays. He's worked at various times as an emergency medical technician, a photographer, political consultant, facilitator, teacher, author, and farmer. And this personal history combines to bring unusual aspects of the very practical with the wildly visionary. And I, I think, you know, in my guest, Peter Forbes, this is a fantastic combination. He's put this in the service of conservation, leadership development, philanthropy, really working across sectors to help develop leaders. Peter's worked for the Trust for Public Land for many years and is one of the co-founders of the Center for Whole Communities in Mad River Valley of Vermont. His work has taken him all over the world from Nepal to Harlem. He lives with his family on a working sheep and blueberry farm in Vermont called Knoll Farm. Peter, welcome to the show. Oh, thank you, Kate. It's great great to be here. I really appreciate it. It's nice to be starting off the holiday season this way. It surely is, and I I'm, I'm really have been looking forward to our conversation today. And, you know, your background, even as I was introducing you, is sort of marvelous, you know, just thinking about... Idiosyncratic, I think, is the... <laughs> <laughs> it's a better adjective. <laughs> but, you know, the perspective that you have, having done the things you've done, is, you know, rich, I think, for people who are listening today. So I want to start off by having you tell us even a little bit more about your background and, you know, sort of just, just how, your, how your path has allowed you to have all of those experiences. Let's just start there. Oh, what a great, great question. Um, I think I've been mostly uh, motivated by questions than I have by career choices. You know, I, uh, if you took out all the things that you said about what I'd done, I think what I what I might say to you is that I'm a I'm a maker of things, 
and I'm an edge walker, and I'm a, a convener. So, and, and the the question that has most uh, occupied me that I that I care about the most um, is how how do we meet our responsibility uh, to one another to manage this beautiful place uh, together? And uh, I th- I think part of my answer as I growing a little older and <laughs> with all these different strange experiences is it it has to do our capacity. To manage this beautiful place together has to do with our ability to nurture habits of association and, and, and relationship that keep us connected in the face of all these things that want us disconnected. And we all, you know, we all have our list for what those may be, you know, technology or hyper-consumerism or, you know, whatever, whatever, you know, political ideology today. That the real the work is about being in relationships. So whatever, whether I've been an EMT trying to help people, you know, with trauma, or or trying to affect policy, or being a farmer, it's it's all about that, the nature of that relationship that we have to one another and to this big beautiful place we call Earth. Well, I, I mean, that's a that's a, such a simple and and. Um... Really, really wonderful opening statement, I think, for the hour that we're going to have together, Peter. And, you know, the putting ourselves in community, you know, for the sake of managing together this beautiful earth, you know, our common interest in this this amazing place we live, you know, and thinking about everything you can do, you know, everything you specifically, Peter, can do um, in service to that is just a... I think it, it sort of brings us right to the essence of mm. who you are, you know. And I know from a conversation you and I once had about um, you, you were on a different path and you kind of uh, changed directions um, somewhat boldly a while ago. Uh, would you mind just telling us that story? Well, sure. And, you know, I, I think um, who is to know when one is changing direction, right? You know, I <laughs> mean... Yeah, uh, that's sometimes right. there's a point where you you give up one job and you you take another. But I, I feel like uh, most of my life has been uh, trying to answer that question that I that I posed and coming at it from different angles. But what one in particular I think you might be mentioning was that uh, well, a couple of times. I, at one point, I in my early twenties, I found myself uh, as a, a working photographer uh, in Nepal. I had I had done almost yeah I had. I had gotten the assignment that, that I felt my life was leading to. And I, I remember distinctly walking down this, uh, uh, this valley, and I, I had spent six months photographing uh, a, a group of people um, who were being displaced by a dam, and, and that had enormous impacts on me. And uh, I said to myself, you know, I, I will always be this field photographer, and of course, I wasn't always to be that. <laughs> and you know, later I took that experience and and really applied it in the United States to to being a conservationist and trying to conserve places that matter to people. And and I realized in that journey that a life in conservation may be import, more important for me, but also for the world than a career in conservation. And I think in many respects, maybe my, my own journey is about getting less and less specialized and trying mm-hmm. to actually get more and more whole or whatever, you know, mm-hmm. however I might be able to define what whole is. Mm-hmm. 
You know, I, I want to just pause with what you've just said because it's um, something that I think probably deserves a little a little space around it, which is less about a career in conservation and more about a life in conservation. What do you mean by that, Peter? Uh, I, uh, I think in, in Western culture and probably all modern cultures, you know, there's, there, there is this effort or post-industrial culture to, you know, to really specialize. And uh, I loved when I was a working conservation, I worked for a really terrific national conservation organization that's doing tremendous work. And uh, I loved talking about that work. And yet I realized that I actually personally was less and less connected to the land. And here I was, uh, you know, flying all over the country, protecting land, but what was my own relationship to land? And maybe that was part of the problem, and maybe our cultural disconnection from the land was why we needed land protection in the first place. And maybe the more radical thing for me to do or the more holistic way to actually help the land is to be a farmer and, and to practice the best possible farming I can so it, the difference between a life in and a career in is, is really connecting one's heart and soul to that goal uh, and, and not thinking of it so much as a career, but thinking it as a life, a way of life. It reminds me a little bit, listening to you talk about this, of um, you know, the idea in coaching of embodiment. You know, it's like... Mm-hmm. You know, there's thinking about it and there's even sort of thought-based action, but it's another thing to actually live it and to um, experience the ideas as one's uh, physical and visceral uh, reality. And and when you do that, the learning goes even deeper and and I think the, um, the understanding, you know, is so much greater. Uh, well, I really appreciate um, you sharing with that that with us, you know, right off the bat. And I, I wonder, could you tell us a little bit more? Because I know, you know, your story to me is so exciting because I, I often talk with people, Peter, who feel like they're supposed to have it all figured out in terms of career or their next steps. My question is, um, you know, as it, twists and turns have taken you to the creation of the Center for Whole Communities. Could you tell us more about how that happened? Yeah, um... And, and as I go into that, I, I really want to say for my benefit and particularly for everyone who's listening is that, you know, I am so far from having it right. <laughs> and and uh, that, that, that those moments of deep learning, learning that you cite, I've tasted them for sure, but I can't claim to live in that embodiment all the time. And maybe the best thing I can be as a teacher is to, is to also express how hard that is for me mm-hmm. and mm-hmm. how much I don't get it right. But I am definitely on that path. And um, you, <laughs> this is dating myself, but there's a, I think it was a cartoon when I was growing up. There was something like weebles wobble, but they don't fall down. Mm-hmm. And that's basically my management approach to life is that, you know, I'm never going to get these things perfectly right, but I'm not going <laughs> to give up either. You know, I'm not going to fall down. I'm going to get back on that horse, on that journey to try to figure out what is whole for me. And that is how the Center for Whole Communities got, got started. I was working in conservation. I had been working for... 15 years or so, and I started to see how 
there were people who really, really cared for the land who would never, ever call themselves environmentalists or conservationists, and that I was separated from them. And I was separated from them by, by my ideology, by my isms, by, by, you know, I've come to learn also by my maleness, my whiteness, my privilege, all, you know, all those things. But in the beginning, all I saw was that why, why, is, why is my work protecting forests any different than, than her work protecting an urban garden in Harlem? And aren't we somehow connected? And I felt that in my heart. And, and so Center for Whole Communities was created to bring those worlds together, to begin to have human-to-human, face-to-face dialogue how are we connected and how are we different and how is our love and of the land expressed differently and through some kind of relationships can we possibly manage this place with more wisdom i love i mean such a such a powerful question you know it it reminds me of you know one of the reasons that the nebo company is named the nebo company is because i named it after a lake in the adirondacks that's really uh. my favorite place and my realization over time was i probably will never own any any cottage on that lake for many reasons but i don't actually need to own it to access um the gift of um yeah inner balance that that place gives me and that over time I've really come to realize that each of us is holding a place in our hearts that we really love. Everybody has their own Nebo, in other words. And when we begin to understand that the earth is held in this way, uh, to open up a conversation about uh, what we can do to manage this beautiful place together, as you put it, is, is not only possible, but it's so, it actually seems very logical. Yeah. Um, yeah. And I, I, at some point in our, conversation together. I, I hope we can get to the practical side of that, because it, 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 all of this can sound philosophical, and, and it is, and yet I, I really want your, your listeners to know that this is also uh, very practical. Um, but I, I don't, what you said, Kate, is so true that I, I just want to emphasize it. I, my one understanding <laughs> at this point is, is that we are all hardwired to that relationship, you know, even in 2013, we are hardwired to be in relationship to one another and to be in relationship to this, this earth. And, uh, you know, we're 12 years now into uh, holding these gatherings here on this hill farm in Vermont. Uh, and, you know, hundreds of, of people from different walks of life coming together. And I see time and time again how two or more human beings can be can really open to the claims of others because of that experience of this farm because of that experience to nature and i you know maybe to some of your listeners that's going to sound a little uh, out there or airy fairy but i have worked with republican state senators from all over this country to talk about climate change and when we put them in the presence of a beautiful meadow or a, a, a valley covered in fog, there is the beginning of a conversation between them that is about beauty, about connection, about something shared. And our, uh, I really believe that what you're, what you're naming right now, you know, Nebo, that, that, that sense of connection that we all have to a place 
is our greatest hope to overcome all of the challenges that we have because it's in that connection to place that we have the opportunity to also be connected to one another. Peter, thank you so much. You know, you've taken us beautifully right to our first break, so we're going to take that break now. Stay tuned, those of you listening, for more of this special show with my guest, Peter Forbes. We'll be right back. Do you want to take your organization to the next level? The Nebo Company develops leaders, teams, and organizations to achieve their highest potential. We provide executive and team coaching, leadership courses, mentor programs, and retreats tailored to the unique goals of your organization's leaders. With national reach, Nebo specializes in helping senior leaders to articulate a compelling vision, then develop the strategy, goals, and accountabilities that make the vision real. For more information, visit NeboCompany.com. Be sure to ask about our leadership and life curriculum. Again, that's NeboCompany.com. Do you, like most Americans, spend the majority of your life at work? Are you making it the joy that it deserves to be, or are you feeling drained and unfocused? Tune in to A Great Place to Work with hosts Kurt Kaufman and Dr. Kathy Sorensen. Your hosts have more than 30 years of experience in workplace consulting and are ready to bring you the secrets and success stories of businesses who are making their business a great place to work. Listen every Friday at 11 a.m. Pacific Time, 2 p.m. Eastern Time on the Voice America Business Channel and enjoy a better workplace and a better life. Health costs companies a lot more than just benefits, premiums, and health plans. Think about the underlying cost with not having healthy employees in the program investing in the future. Creating Wealth Through Health, host Susan Doherty will discuss employee wellness programs, how staying healthy affects the bottom line, and how to get your team engaged in better health as a way of life. Tune in every Wednesday at 3 p.m. Pacific Time, 6 p.m. Eastern, on the Voice America Business Channel. Listening to Visionary Leader Extraordinary Life with host Kate Ebner. We'd love to hear from you. Pick up your phone and call into 1 866 472 5790. That's 1 866 472 5790. If you'd rather send an email, please send it to visionaryleader at nebocompany.com. Now, back to today's program. Good morning and welcome back to Visionary Leader Extraordinary Life. I'm Kate Ebner. My guest today, Peter Forbes, is an author, teacher, facilitator, farmer, and co-founder of the Center for Whole Communities in Waitsfield, Vermont. I think I love the thought that he's been, you know, asking himself a question that's guided his whole life, as we were talking about before the break. Um, You know, Peter, when we spoke before the show, you brought up some terms that were previously unknown to me um, about... Uh, the idea of edges and borders. And I wonder if you'd like to, for a moment, talk about what, what you mean by edges and borders, just to continue on in our, in our exploration sure. place. Yeah, it, Kate, it's, I think, a very important um, concept that it was one of the earliest notions that, or observations, let's say, as we began our work here at Center for Whole Communities and around, and, you know, and, and very much connected to this question of how do we meet our responsibility to manage this place together is the world has always our this beautiful planet <laughs> has always been covered with borders 
between things and, and edges. And, and it turns out that we need, uh, we humans and, and we all species need these edges and borders. And so in a biological sense, an edge is the ecotone or, or edge habitat between places like the, the, that area between a field and a forest is where many mammals uh, live and procreate. The, the edge between uh, air and sky and, and earth is tree canopies where all avian species need. And the same for fish. Fish uh, reproduce. The biological source for them is, is those reefs, the very edge and border between land and, and ocean. The challenge of our contemporary Western culture, as I've observed it, <laughs> is that we take these permeable edges, these edges that one can walk through, and we turn them into hard edges. And a hard edge is the, the triple wall that's going up between Mexico and, and, and this nation, or the, the 50-foot wall between Israel and Palestine. There's something in our culture that takes these, these places where we, we once was a, were able to move back and forth and to create the othering, you know, to put, put walls up. And a, a permeable uh, edge or border in, in cultural terms might be a farmer's market or a Flatbush Avenue in Brooklyn, you know, or, or uh, Central Park in New York City where, where people of all walks in life can, can pass each other, can be in relationship. Those, for us, too, are biological sources. Our culture is enlivened by those. And whenever we create hard walls, our culture is diminished by them. And so the work I've come to understand, the, the hardest, the core work, in my view of leadership, is learning how to navigate those edges and how to take hard walls and to make them a little bit more permeable. And in, you know, in simple terms, <laughs> this might be, how do you sit down with someone you're a little bit afraid of and, and buy them a cup of coffee and ask them why they yelled at you at the last town meeting or in, or in the office or on the street? Or, you know, it's, it's engaging our fear and this emphasis in our culture right now of othering to be in relationship and to see and respect one another. Is it fair to say that these permeable borders, these places where there's a kind of a permeability, uh, is where you see sharing? Sure. I mean, that's in, in both culture for both humans and for all other species. This is a place of enlivenment. When those borders are permeable, uh, they, they make our lives richer, and they're richer because we share. We can innovate. The only way we can, we can innovate in a business or even evolutionarily is by exchanging new ideas. And the more we put those walls up and make the, these borders impermeable, the more we are left to our own selves. And and, and to only our own ideas and to the ideas of people who look like us and went to the same schools as us. And that, that doesn't create innovation. And it's also a very unhappy way to live. 
Well, and it's isolating, as you it's said isolating. a moment ago. Yep. Yeah, and, and the- I wonder, I wonder, Peter, you know, thinking about this, I mean, it's such an important distinction, one that I have not heard much discussed. Um, and I'm, I guess I'm, I mean, I'm kind of excited about thinking about and talking about this with you because I, I often, as a coach, I'm often working with people and I notice a resistance in them to, you know, a resistance to someone else or to a particular topic. And so then this curious question, you know, what would it be like if you had the conversation? What would it be like if you bought that cup of coffee and sat down and asked directly for the feedback? And this process of taking what feels like a border that might be in some way a protective border, like, ah, they're going to criticize me, so I put up a boundary. Um, And instead of, you know, fortifying that, actually dissolving that through a conversation that invites feedback and and the kind of sharing that I think you're talking about. Right. And is right. that so so I'm I'm using the example I suppose in in sort of a human or a leadership context. Um but I'm I'm curious about how you work with this idea when you're working with leaders. Or, or how do I, <laughs> more difficult how do I work with it with myself? Um, as, as I was listening to you speak, I was reflecting. I had one of those moments just a, uh, two hours ago, you know, where where I was really fortunate to connect with someone I I I love and who I work with, and I had that conversation that was hard, and it moved me to the edge of my competencies because I didn't know quite how to do it, and uh, I think they were moved to the edge of their competency. But the result was that. We, you know, we're, our relationship is stronger. We learned something that was, you know, troubling to both of us. And we're, whatever our work is, we're going to be able to do it better. Um, and I, uh, some, you know, someone listening to this, you know, might be very likely is, is far more informed than I on, on all that, it is meant when I talk about edges and, and borders, and yeah, I'm reading Jared Diamond's most recent book, and he, in it he's talking about how a lot of sort of pre-agricultural societies, if you crossed their border or boundary, they killed you. And so this, we are also hardwired for fear, and I totally get that, and and I, I, I don't want to be Pollyannish or dismissive of that. And, and that fear has kept us alive in a lot of respects. But what I want to say is that with 306 million people, you know, in this country and, and growing, and we have to figure out how to navigate those edges. We can't kill each other. We can't even come close to that. And, and so... Leadership and and of course killing is a is a is a very dramatic result of of a boundary dispute. But but we also have little things that kill something else inside of us that that happen because because we didn't know how to navigate those borders well enough. Hmm. Does that make any sense? It it does, you know, and and I and I think it is. Um... It's, it's funny. It's, it's kind of hard to talk about it in a strange way. It's, it's, it's a very clear idea. And yet what I think we're talking about is, um, is the 
is is feels a little bit counter culture or something to instead well, of create a, a fortress or a strong strong territory or, you know a boundary a border to to actually uh, understand the benefits of a border so not to not to be without borders but actually also right. to to notice where where perme- permeation can take place absolutely <laughs> absolutely and there's so many you know examples of this whether you live in a in a densely urban uh, culture or a very rural culture. There there are the same issues of of borders and boundaries, and and the people who well, when I note that someone, wow, that's a graceful woman or a graceful man. A lot to me of what makes them graceful, and I'm not talking just about physical grace, but emotional grace. Is there is there capacity? to walk anywhere and to walk with clarity and beauty and equanimity. I mean, that is what grace is in that, in that you know, sense of it. And, and I think also in the religious sense, grace is, you know, the, a gift, a gift of being able to be present with many, many different types of people. And it is counterculture, Kate, because this culture that we're in, American culture, I think, does want us separated. It does, because when we're separated, when we're isolated, we're, when we're behind our walls, we're better consumers. Because, because we derive all of our satisfaction, or, or, or a higher degree of that satisfaction from consuming. And what I, you know, this is entitled uh, Visionary Leaders. You know, one of my visions is to give, supplant that consumerism with, with a return to that, a web of relationships, of stronger relationships, not only between people, but be, and equally important between people and place, wherever they live. You know, you have returned us again and again, Peter, to this theme of community and interconnectedness, and I think we're going to take another break in just a second here, but uh, when we come back, I think that's really where we should go next, is really uh, being able to see and understand that. We have, a, we have under a minute, but I wanted to ask you, you use a phrase, uh, you know, sort of walking the edge or edge walking. Can you kind of briefly just explain what, it's, what it means to be an edge walker? Well, for me, it's... Um the discomfort, accepting the discomfort of being at the edge of one's competencies and at the edge of one's relationships and being okay with that. Uh, we all, we all, I, I have clubs in a way, you know, that places where I'm comfortable and an edge walker, it, when I am an edge walker, it's when I am willing to, uh, leave my membership behind, whatever my membership is in, and to be with others in, in where they are. And I have to tell you, Kate, those have been the moments of my deepest learning and deepest satisfaction. You know, I appreciate that, um, Peter, and I'm glad you, I'm glad you, you put it in those terms. I think that that's going to be very helpful to all of us who are, who want to be walking an edge walker too. You know, I know, mm-hmm. I know, I know that's a it's a really fun kind of concept and and it's really an invitation I think for for it us is. to put yeah. down our resistance and perhaps open up you know so this is uh, Kate Abner. You're listening to Visionary Leader Extraordinary Life. My guest today is Peter Forbes of the Center for Whole Communities. We're going to take a break, and when we come back, we're going to talk about whole communities. We'll be right back. Mm-hmm. 
What does a visual workplace mean to you? How does it contribute to operational excellence? And what steps do you take to put it powerfully in place? Listen to The Visual Workplace, work that makes sense to find out. Each week, Dr. Gwendolyn Galsworth, visual workplace expert and award-winning author, shares tools and strategies to help you make the workplace speak at a glance without saying a word. Learn to work safer, faster, better, and at far less cost no matter what business you're in. Tune in to The Visual Workplace every Thursday at 10 a.m. Pacific, 1 p.m. Eastern on Voice America Business. There's a course offered on 7th Wave Network that you never saw offered in college. One that provides information on how to transform ancient wisdom teachings into everyday life. You'll learn how to create from your spirit and explore the world with all of your senses. Participation is encouraged. Enroll in Spirituality 101, the course you can't afford to miss with your host, Reverend Norma. Class is in session every Friday at 3 p.m. Eastern Time, 12 noon Pacific Time, in your favorite classroom, 7th Wave Network. Do you want to take your organization to the next level? The Nebo Company develops leaders, teams, and organizations to achieve their highest potential. We provide executive and team coaching, leadership courses, mentor programs, and retreats tailored to the unique goals of your organization's leaders. With national reach, Nebo specializes in helping senior leaders to articulate a compelling vision, then develop the strategy, goals, and accountabilities that make the vision real. For more information, visit NeboCompany.com. Be sure to ask about our leadership and life curriculum. Again, that's NeboCompany.com. You're listening to Visionary Leader Extraordinary Life with host Kate Ebner. We'd love to hear from you. Pick up your phone and call into 1-866-472-5790. That's 1-866-472-5790. If you'd rather send an email, please send it to visionaryleader at nebocompany.com. Now, back to today's program. Welcome back to Visionary Leader Extraordinary Life. I'm Kate Ebner, and this morning I'm delighted to be in conversation with Peter Forbes. Um, you know, Peter, we ha- you, I, I love how in our conversation today, um, we're, you know, it's hard in a way for you to um, talk about your, yourself as, as exemplary in any way. I mean, you've been so humble and so committed to, um, to showing us the way that you are still learning and you're still sort of in your own process of trying things on and learning from that experience. And the last thing we talked about was really this idea of, of edges and borders and edge walking. Um, but once again, you returned us to this idea that we're all interrelated, that we're, we all, we all share, um, a common experience and a common, um, I don't know, I guess a common uh, agenda here on the earth. So I want to ask you to say a little bit more about whole communities and about this connection. Mm. Well, I have to, anything I say about that is with the notion that uh, my vision or my my experience is is so incomplete. And I've, I've, Tasted some powerful uh, brews of, of whole communities over the years, but you know I don't feel like uh, I'm an expert in it. And, and uh, you know when when uh, when I'm done with the process of learning is, is when I'll be dead. So it, it's uh, all I can share is, is my little my little vision or, or what I see at this at this moment of it 
But when you talk about uh, what is shared, that's true. I think what is shared is a critical part of whole communities. But I also want to stress that what is different is equally uh, important in making a whole community. So when, and the challenge is that uh, because of those edges and borders, we tend to hide the things we share, and we definitely hide the things that make us different. And yet it's those things that, that actually make us whole and make a community whole. Um, and it's, uh, it's those differences that uh, enable us to thrive. And, and when I say differences, I mean all differences, gender differences, uh, differences in skin color, differences in size of wallet, difference in education. You know, the more there is a diversity, I actually think the more there is the possibility of, of wholeness, of, of respecting that. And that doesn't mean that uh, a, an entirely uh, or nearly all uh, Caucasian state like my own of Vermont isn't, doesn't have the capacity to be wholeness. But what it does mean is that we have an extra burden to celebrate the differences that we do have here. And and whenever we can celebrate those particularly differences in class, that's a huge one here in Vermont, um, then we are enlivened as a community. Thank you for that distinction about sharing and, and about differences. And, you know, can you tell us a story from your experience um, at your center about um, maybe about people learning? You know, you gave us some great examples earlier. Can you can you bring this to life for us? Mm. Uh, sure, uh, that's a it's a wonderful request to do that. Um, and for some reason, a, a woman comes to mind who uh, who was here probably ten years ago on this this hill, and she is a uh, Athabascan uh, native woman from. Uh, Northwest Canada and Northwest uh, United States. And she, um, it was powerful to have her in our circle. There were a few other Native women, and I remember that, that particular week. But what was um, so um, hard, challenging for me was uh, her response to the food that we were offering. You know, we here in Vermont, you know, we're all about local food. And, you know, and we, going back 10 years ago, we were on that. And we, that's a value that we have. And it wasn't a value that she had. Mm-hmm. And at one point, and I, I don't mean to make this a long story, but it was so powerful to me. She looked at me and she said, Peter, your food is killing me. And I realized that um, she wasn't talking about the food that we were serving in the dining hall, <laughs> you know, in our, in our barn, you know, in, in our kitchen. She was really talking about the bigger issue of, of what diabetes has done to her people and, and what American culture has done to her people. And, and she was angry, and, and yet she was also loving. And, and later that day, she tied some medicine bundles in, our, in one of our apple trees and it was a hard experience for me, but I have learned so much from that, and I wouldn't 
I wouldn't give it up for anything in the world. And, and everything that she said in that moment with anger in her voice and was a gift to, to me. And, and I, I honor it by, you know, reminding myself of it and telling you and your, your listeners of it. So it's a small thing, but it is how, um, how we can connect and how we can learn, not, again, not just from, you know, what we share, and, but also how we're different and, and how things haven't worked out so great and how we manage this beautiful earth together. That's just such a such an amazing story, and and yet again, I mean, it's really interesting in this hour to hear you uh, sort of tell these stories, uh, really from your own perspective about about feedback or about you know voices that have brought you you know different perspectives, made you think, um, given you opportunity to grow. I'm curious about um, you sort of mentioned that when people come to Vermont and they're in this incredible beautiful place they sort of soften up and become open about conversations they might not be thinking of having just in the bustle of of another life um i'm curious about that and about uh the, how to help people move with curiosity and openness into these conversations yeah rather than well, away from them exactly and you know i'm curious about it too kate i because i don't fully understand it but i have experienced it enough to know that it's real. And I, I probably did use the term soften, and, and I, I, don't, uh, I don't really mean that because it can, it, it's much deeper than that. It's really, I have, I have observed how an experience of nature opens people to the claims of others. Wow. And I have experienced that week after week, year after year, among uh, white people, people of color, wealthy people, less wealthy people, Republicans, Democrats, East Coast, <laughs> West Coast, all of it. <laughs> and I, that's what gives me hope. You know, that's the piece that, that keeps me in the game, so to speak, is that that experience of nature, and it's not just a beautiful farm in Vermont. I mean, I have experienced that more profoundly on 121st Street in Central Harlem. <laughs> and, but it is that experience of nature that enables us to see someone else differently and to see ourselves differently. And that's the beginning, that's the beginning point of transformation. Is it that we put down our guard? It's, it's, um, I think eventually we put down our guard, but more importantly, um, or more immediately, an experience of beauty uh, is open the heart, <laughs> the right term. I, uh, when we experience nature and, and the beauty in nature, the, the, however you want to describe what an experience of nature is, I think it reminds us that, that there is a world bigger than ourselves. And in being reminded that there is a world bigger than ourselves, we can access a part of ourselves that is not so much ego-driven and is not so much uh, about our own survival, and those things enable us to connect with others in a more meaningful way. For example, the, you know, and we keep coming back to this, this 
this little hill farm in Vermont, and and with good reason. But we do this work in many, many other places as well. Um, it just began here. Uh, and I, I think it's possible to do it. I know it's possible to do it in Detroit, in central Harlem, in Albuquerque, in, you know, wherever we can, we can experience nature and we can, exe- we can experience the world that is bigger than ourselves. What is the nature you experienced in Harlem? Oh, wow. I, uh, there's, <laughs> there's so much to say about that. Um, First of all, I, I, I have roots in New York City, so I, I'm, I'm, yeah, I've got family still there, and, and most of my childhood was, was in the orbit of New York City, and yet, and I feel like I've known it very well um, and love it, and yet when I walked into a community garden, uh, Classy Parker's community garden on 121st Street, you know, I experience a connection, uh, an intensity of nature, you know, through row crops and through uh, fruit trees, and maybe because you, it's just the, the uh, surprise of seeing that in a highly urbanized place that makes the experience richer and more impactful. And um, the the exchanges that I had some, with someone 50 feet outside of that garden on the street were materially different from the exchanges that I had with that same person 50 feet inside of the garden. Ah. <laughs> and, you know, I could be there for two hours. And, you know, I, I've been to that particular garden many, many times now, and Classy and I are... are, are friends and, and allies, but on that first two hours, you know, she could look me in the eye and say, Peter, you know, don't you think my dad's your dad? Do you think that's possible? Hmm. And, uh, you know, uh, Classy and I are, are approximately the same age, but our backgrounds are really different. Our skin types are really different. And yet she was saying to me, don't you think my dad could be your dad? I don't think that could have happened on the street. I think that could only happen in that experience of a garden, of nature. Thank you for telling us that story. That is just really, uh, goodness, that's very memorable and one that I'm going to be thinking about and, and considering long after the show. Um, we're about to take our, um, our, our final break and we'll come back into our last segment. And Peter, you know, we talked about in the beginning, we talked about sort of the philo- philosophical things, and you said, well, we're going to make this practical. So when we come back, why don't we do that? Let's make it practical. Okay, we'll be right back. I'll do my best. Okay. Do you want to take your organization to the next level? The Nebo Company develops leaders, teams, and organizations to achieve their highest potential. We provide executive and team coaching, leadership courses, mentor programs, and retreats tailored to the unique goals of your organization's leaders. With national reach, Nebo specializes in helping senior leaders to articulate a compelling vision, then develop the strategy, goals, and accountabilities that make the vision real. For more information, visit NeboCompany.com. Be sure to ask about our leadership and life curriculum. Again, that's NeboCompany.com. Wealth Solutions for the 99% is a weekly talk show focused on helping you develop and execute a game plan to build wealth. 
Your host, Paul LaJoy, who built a $50 million-plus company in less than five years, believes it's impossible to be poor in America, and he'll show you why with his innovative strategies. The show is upbeat, fun, and informative. Tune in every Saturday at 1 p.m. Eastern Time, 10 a.m. Pacific, on Voice America Business. Is your business model robust enough? In today's ever-changing business environment, people are working to transform themselves, their futures, and their business. Tune in to Business Reinvention with your host, Nancy Lynn. To stay ahead of the game in business, you have to constantly reinvent yourself and your organization. With Nancy's experience and that of her guest experts, you'll learn from stories of inspiration, innovation, and forward thinking. Listen for Business Reinvention, live every Monday at 4 p.m. Pacific Time, 7 p.m. Eastern Time, on the Voice America Business Channel. You're listening to Visionary Leader Extraordinary Life with host Kate Ebner. We'd love to hear from you. Pick up your phone and call into 1-866-472-5790. That's 1-866-472-5790. If you'd rather send an email, please send it to visionaryleader at nebocompany.com. Now, back to today's program. Welcome back. I'm Kate Ebner. My guest today, Peter Forbes, and I are talking about... Peter, what are we talking about? <laughs> we're talking about, well, I suppose, living together on this planet. Um, but we're, we're really, we're really um, exploring this uh, idea of whole communities. And we're really talking also about the experience of uh, living one's life uh, with, an, with an awareness and a, a comfort being uncomfortable, walking mm-hmm. on, you know, with being an edge walker. So mm-hmm. I, I want to, um, we, we have a shorter, shorter segment in our ending. And I want to give you a chance to maybe give some advice to our listeners who are maybe intrigued by what we're talking about today. I know that uh, this is kind of a fascinating, this feels like the beginning of a big conversation, Um, but I wanted to just begin by asking you, you know, what do leaders, what do you wish, and I say leaders, I kind of mean all of us, I don't mean a positional leader, but what do we as humans need to understand, or what do you wish we understood, um, or, or just plain knew about nature, community, edge borders like what's the what's the thing that you would love for people to become aware of i'm sure there's more than one well i have a feeling that they're already aware of it um but it may be buried (laughs) under (laughs) layers and layers as it is you know has been in me at times of of this culture but what i would say the most important thing between all of those is the primacy of relationship uh when when you know we talk about buzzwords like sustainability all of at the bottom of all of those things is relationship and at the bottom of of both our greatest uh successes as a culture and also our our most difficult problems climate change poverty it's relationship and that's a I, I know in some respects a very simple, easy thing to say, although I, I guess I want to stress that it's not been easy for me <laughs> to, to, to understand that and, and to, to say it. Um, and, you know, my, uh, my vision for the future is not so much about things as, it's, as it, much as it is about those relationships between those things. And, 
you know, I'm, I, I, as an edge walker or whatever, an emergency medical, medical technician or a farmer, you know, all of that, what, what, what the fundamental thing that I do is, is focus on relationships and manage relationships and, and try to understand where my relationships are, are, are good and where, where they need work and, and how to be in relationship with what I am not how to be in relationship with what I am not, I think is, is a core part of, of all of our work around creating healthy whole communities. You know, as, as you, as you describe that, you know, the, um, you know, the primacy of relationships as, as something that we, we should, that we know, but may not know that we know, um, as you started out saying, you know, and then this sort of part two I'm picking up on is, is, um, the, uh, I want to say like awareness or being wide awake about who am I in relationship yes. to others. Yeah. Right. How am I presenting? You know, what is it about me that's making it hard for me to connect with others? I mean, that's a very, very hard thing. And yet it's really, really important to growth. Um, It it is, you know, and um, then maybe there's. Tell me if 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 I'm understanding it in the way that you intend. But there's the delight of learning, you know, even when the learning comes in uncomfortable moments or, Mm -hmm. you know, unfamiliar territories. You know, just the Mm -hmm. the uh, the richness of being open and learning from the feedback of the world. Yeah, yeah, definitely. I think I I, to- I completely agree that there's a richness there, and um, it's not always been delightful for me, uh, and it, because it's hard, um, and it's hard work, and it's important work, and and uh, and it's rich. Yeah. So, is it exhausting to live this way? Um. I, I think uh, when I'm <laughs> when I'm learning and and really doing my best at it, I think it's incredibly enlivening, and and I, I feel like my world is getting bigger. And and yes, th- there are also times when it's exhausting when I'm not getting it, you know, and I'm not I'm not understanding how to connect, or I'm I'm not seeing how the way I am. Uh, is making it hard for me to connect. I'm glad you said that because I think that um, that that brings us back again to this idea that um, that uh, oh gosh, what am I trying to say? I think really just that that it's as hard as it can be enlivening. You know, it can be energizing and it can be awakening and it also can be tiring and draining and all of that is part of it all that's part of it you know when someone uh, occasionally someone asks me are you having a great time and and i i feel like saying it's not so important that i have a great time (laughs) it's what's really more important to me is 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 it rich am i learning am i am i making some progress and and I also, yeah, it, it, when, when it feels good and when I get some connection uh, to someone, you know, as I was just relating the story of earlier today, um, yeah, my life is bigger. 
my life is richer and and I feel like uh, I you know I can hold more my well is is growing that's that's great and there you know there are some parts of of this some practices if you will that that yep. I think are really helpful um, and like go ahead one, you, you had mentioned self-awareness, and I, wow, what a lifelong journey that is. You know, for me, um, my self-awareness has been enhanced uh, to the extent that it has uh, by whatever kind of spiritual practices that I use. And for me, that's sort of non-denominational meditation. I mean, farming in a lot of ways for me is a, is a regular practice. I return to nature no matter where I am in a highly urban area or rural area as often as I can. Those things help to ground me. Uh, you know, I'm reminded that uh, Cesar Chavez had a, a regular practice of, of yoga, <laughs> and many of the really wonderful, graceful leaders that I've observed have some kind of regular spiritual or, connect, or practice of connection that helps them helps them to connect with themselves, you know, and that is, that is the definition of self-awareness, right? But also helps them to connect to the lineage of work that comes before and comes after. And that helps to reduce ego, you know, to know that we are not it. You know, I am not it. <laughs> the game does not stop and end with me. It began long before I was born, and it's going to go on long after I die. And the best thing I can do is, is carry the ball, you know, in, in my time. You know, Peter, we are um, amazingly, and our hour is is up, um, and I want to make sure that people know where they can find you so that they can participate or learn more um, about the work that you're doing. Would you like to share the best place to go to learn more? Yeah, thanks so much, Kate. Um, they can learn about the work of Center for Whole Communities at, at wholecommunities.org. Uh, just Google it or, or type that. And my work is visible uh, more so there and also through peterforbes.org. I've so appreciated this time with you, Kate. Thank you for your, your wonderful questions and your curiosity. Well, I have as well. And, and, you know, for everybody listening, I think for me today, this is really gives me a lot to think about. And I hope it has done the same for you. And, and I know that, Peter, as we say goodbye, that, um, you know, there's a, a great exploration that you are mm-hmm. offering us all. And so, you know, here's to the season ahead, a time of re- reflection and of community. And thank you so much for being with us. Thank you. I appreciate it. We sincerely hope you've enjoyed hearing from leaders who are using vision to create an inspiring future. Please join host Kate Ebner for another edition of Visionary Leader Extraordinary Life next Monday at 8 a.m. Pacific Time, 11 a.m. Eastern Time on Voice America Business Channel. Meanwhile, visit www.nebocompany.com for more tips on bringing your own vision to life.